Welcome to this Health Leaders Hospital Leadership Podcast. I am Chris Cheney, Senior Clinical Care Editor for Health Leaders. Today, I am excited to welcome Dr. Jay Pristowski, Principal at Visient. Jay, thanks so much for being here. Chris, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to join you this afternoon. Excellent. Jay, what are the biggest challenges facing hospital leaders today? Chris, I would say that first and foremost, based on conversations that I have with uh, leaders around the country, is workforce. Plain and simple. Uh, This takes many different forms, of course, as we are living through a pandemic. It has posed an enormous challenge to the workforce in many industries, as as you've read, as we've all read the papers, uh, but certainly felt profoundly uh, in the healthcare industry. And this has taken many forms from burnout of workers at all levels, doctors, nurses, and the like, uh, over the course of the pandemic and the particular strains that it has caused. But you're also aware of the other pressures that workers have in terms of taking care of their children, taking care of the elderly, uh, dealing with uh, really the workforce environment, the labor environment that we're in now, and healthcare is not apart or separate from all of these challenges. So I would say that um, maintaining a workforce in quantity uh, and in quality is uh, a number one for hospital leaders today. Close on its heels, I might add, are of course the pandemic. The other big issue that we've all faced as a country uh, and certainly in healthcare uh, since the early part of 2020. I think, uh, Chris, that we're moving into a period or a transition, if you will, from pandemic to endemic. COVID-19 and its uh, various variants that have followed will continue to be part of the landscape for our country, for the world indeed, and certainly that will affect healthcare, I think, over years to come. I believe we are certainly prepared now Uh, in a substantially different manner than we were a year ago. Think back to a year ago, the vaccines were were just beginning to surface, but really not widely available. And of course, uh, it is still a challenge to this day, but it has provided a different background from which we can uh, attack uh, this virus. Needless to say, other medications that are being developed. And basically, the experience the public has had, as well as healthcare workers with the pandemic, put us in a much stronger position. I think all would agree to that. And yet, at the same time, there will be surges. There are surges. Um, there are parts of the country, indeed, again, the world, where it can be overwhelming at times in terms of dominating certainly the inpatient landscape, as well as uh, a background of diseases or complications of diseases that those providers in outpatient venues will also face. And I think one of the unique challenges to mention is that we don't know when or how it will come. So we may be cruising along and feeling good about ourselves and and things seem to be getting better, um, and then we're pulled back in. And I think that we are likely to face these types of surges, ebbs and flows, if you will, for some time to come. And then thirdly, I would, I would mention uh, as, a, as a challenge for hospital leaders, 
is all the things they were doing and have been doing for the past number of years. The pandemic did not make those challenges go away. They still have to make the trains run on time. They still have to support their surgical service line, their oncology, orthopedic, medicine service line, pediatrics, OB, and the like. All of those problems are still very much uh, front and center. And uh, the problems that were there before, maybe they were put on hold uh, for some period of time, but they're all present. And I hear uh, frequently from hospital leaders, hey, this is the quote, new normal that I'm facing. I've got to deal with the pandemic. I've got to deal with my workforce issues. And oh, by the way, I have to deal with everything that was on my agenda 18, 20, 24 months ago. Again, those challenges have not gone away. So if I was to put it into those three, workforce one, not necessarily in this order, but, um, but certainly rising to the top, uh, workforce, pandemic, and uh, these what I call evergreen ongoing issues uh, that were there two years ago and still are. Excellent. What are the biggest opportunities facing hospital leaders today? That's a great question, uh, Chris. And uh, I love chatting with hospital leaders uh, about this. Uh, what, what are you trying to do? Where are you spending your time and effort? What, what gets you excited? Um, remembering that, of course, healthcare, and this is, I've been in this, this field for, for my entire professional career, uh, I think is one of the most exciting areas that one can be engaged constantly changing, constantly challenging, and at the same time, so important to the welfare and well-being of society. But to answer your question, as all of that is the background, I, I would say that the biggest opportunities uh, that I hear hospital leaders discuss and, and that I would agree fall into the, to these three general categories. One is data. And I'm very careful here not to say technology per se, because certainly there are all kinds of technological advances and, and exciting, quote unquote, innovations or improvements in technology. Um, but I'm going to focus more on uh, the data that we are collecting and have collected. And what's, I believe, changing now, and it has been for a few years and will accelerate, is our ability to work with that data and particularly disparate sets of data or types of data, uh, not just uh, numbers in a spreadsheet, but all kinds of information, images, pictures, the natural language that occurs in the electronic health record from a physician or a nurse's note. How can we mine that information uh, and make it usable and make it beneficial, advantageous for our providers as they try to take the best care they can of our patients. So I think this area of data, I'll use that term very broadly, but more specifically data science, artificial intelligence, machine learning and the like. These uh, significant steps that have been taken in a variety of industries are being applied to healthcare uh, with rigor, uh, with enthusiasm. And I think it's very exciting uh, where we might be or will be five to 10 to 15 years from now as we begin to get our arms around the data that we have. Now, having said that, 
it is not enough just simply to have a lot of data or a big pile of data. How do we ask the right questions? How do we put together data sets that are disparate, unalike, to come up with new insights to help us take care of our patients and the like? This is gonna require strategy, uh, prioritization. How, how can we take advantage of our position for our hospital or our system of hospitals? So as I think about the opportunities, biggest opportunities facing hospital leaders, uh, I think it is for leaders to look at the data sources they have, the expertise they have, and develop uh, enough of an understanding to ask the right questions and develop a team that can set the direction for their organization. I mentioned that specifically, Chris, because uh, what I see uh, some folks doing is saying, okay, we got a lot of data. We have this team over here. They're our data gurus. Let them go have fun. And they can, they can maybe come up with some answers. So there's a recognition that we have this resource, but it's not necessarily managed in a, a clear uh, direction uh, with a strategy to serve the overall organization and importantly to prioritize resources. So that's one big opportunity. I think another opportunity relates to the, uh, in a sense, relates to the pandemic, a public health issue uh, that comes along, what, once every hundred years or so since the last pandemic, uh, the Spanish flu in the 1918, uh, 1919 period of time. And obviously uh, on the minds and, and the entire public, the entire country, the world is aware of this issue. And it's put hospitals and healthcare organizations really right at the center of, of this issue in terms of the services they offer, the leadership they offer in their communities, how they relate to the public. This is a bit different, I think, than um, the traditional connection or relationship where typically patients would come to the hospital. They would come to the outpatient venues for care. This has, the pandemic has stimulated a, a, a connection, uh, if you will. Uh, and uh, to, to paraphrase, I believe it was former Mayor Rahm Emanuel of Chicago, former Mayor of Chicago, uh, don't let a good crisis go to waste. And I think this is an opportunity for hospitals to become even more engaged in the communities they serve. And I think we're seeing that. The outreach uh, that I noticed, the resources that are provided, the assistance to and working with public health organizations and the like has been fantastic. Even hospitals working together from different systems. I think there's momentum there and I'm hopeful leaders can see additional opportunities to really position their respective hospitals as a cornerstone, as a foundation, if you will, to serve their communities. And thirdly, I think the other opportunity that, that um, uh, we're seeing uh, a number of folks really grab onto, and I think it's very exciting, is uh, what I'll call management systems. And the, there is a recognition by increasing number of leaders clinical leaders, quality leaders, those folks in the C-suite and the like, that we've got good docs, we've got good facilities, we've got good nurses, we've got all kinds of people who are very well qualified. We need to develop a system, a way of thinking, a mindfulness, if you will, about how we deliver healthcare 
uh, that lends itself to the best management principles that have been tried and true in many other industries so that we can provide high quality care and de de defining quality is, is not only the optimal processes or optimal outcomes, but the optimal systems to be sure that we reliably, reliably deliver that care day after day and that we are resilient. We know what to do, but can we do it when all hell is breaking loose? When the ER is full, when our hospital's full, when we might be short on our workforce, have we built in resilience into our systems uh, that we can still deliver? And I think attention is being paid to this more than ever for a variety of reasons. It's a very exciting opportunity, what I call the back end of medicine. We often know what to do with a patient, how to make the diagnosis, how to prescribe the treatment, how to do the operation and so forth. But then after that is initiated, then what happens? Do we actually do the things that we want a patient to have done reliably? 95% uh, or higher percentage of the time? Or does somehow we lose sight of that? Does, is everybody on board? Do we have the standards in place so that everybody knows what they need to do to contribute? Uh, th this has been highly well-developed in a variety of organizations, the airlines industry, aircraft carriers, uh, the nuclear power industry to a large extent, where these folks have developed uh, to a high level reliable systems that work regularly, even in complex environments, and certainly when failures can lead to terrible catastrophes. We have a lot to learn from them, and I think hospital leaders are, are getting on board with this. Very, very exciting opportunity as we go forward. Excellent. What considerations should hospital leaders make when thinking through the shift in care to ambulatory settings? Great question, Chris, and one that uh, comes up frequently. What are you going to do with this shift? How are you going to manage it? How to, how to get your arms around this? And it's a vexing issue. Let me tell you first what I think some make the mistake of doing. And that is to say, hey, we know there's a shift. It's inpatient to outpatient. We're going to be more and more ambulatory. Let's, let's full steam ahead. We're going to go in that direction. That's what's going to happen. It's what I call a top-down decision. And to be sure, there's no question uh, that there already have been over the last, I would say, even 25 to 30 years, shifts in care from the inpatient to ambulatory settings, whether they be ambulatory surgery centers or physician offices, urgent care clinics, so forth and so on. Uh, there's no question that has happened, but it's not enough to take the macro viewpoint. I think when considering what should a hospital leader do, I think they have to turn this on its head, flip the coin over and say, okay, I need to take a micro viewpoint. Who is my workforce? Who are my providers? What are their interests? What is their workflow like? What is their appetite for shifting from inpatient to outpatient? What are the incentives that are there for them? What are the disincentives that are there for them? And I think all too often that is not done. So that at the end of the day, more than once, 
have I seen very good institutions build lovely, very attractive ambulatory centers with great ORs and offices, and they're not able to fill it up. Why? Because the providers who they thought would uh, build it and they will come don't necessarily want to come. Maybe it's because it's too far away from the rest of their practice. Or maybe in the case of some surgeons I know, they have a heterogeneous mix of patients, some complicated and complex, some much simpler. And it's much easier for them to be at one place on a given operating day rather than spending windshield time going back and forth to multiple places. Maybe there are financial considerations. There could be all kinds of reasons why a provider may or may not want to be in an ambulatory setting. I think what a leader, hospital leader needs to do is understand their team, understand their workforce. Chris, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to use, and I promised myself that I would limit these, uh, a sports metaphor here. You may uh, be a coach who loves the passing game, but you, if, you don't have, if you don't have a quarterback or receivers uh, who can do that, and instead you have a great running back who can really go up the middle, then I think you need to adapt your offensive mindset to the personnel that you have. So there you go. That's my sports metaphor for the conversation, uh, Chris. But I think you get the idea. One size doesn't fit all. We need to understand what our workforce, what our team is capable and interested in doing. And if possible, finding where, where the sweet spot of aligned interests might be. That critical step is not always done. However, if it is done, and we are confident in the group that we have who can and want to make this shift, I think the second consideration is to get those folks to actually help lead it. So we've seen a, a number of places that have figured out who really will benefit and who is excited about shifting their care to an ambulatory setting, and then getting them to be part of the discussions about, okay, how are we going to build it? What's the architecture? What's the layout? What ancillary services do we need to provide to really make this go? And basically have them involved in the strategy and operational aspects of the entity. When hospital leaders can get their clinical leaders working together collaborative, collaboratively to formulate the market strategy, to formulate the operational endeavor, then I think you're you're really, really in a great position to succeed. So I think those are really the, the two considerations. If I could sum up, Chris, uh, in a word, hospital leaders need to engage openly, honestly, transparently, with a very open mind, their clinical leaders to understand what their organization is really capable of and not worry so much about what folks across the state or the region or the country are doing that may or may not fit for your local situation. And what about considerations for virtual settings? I think that the answer for ambulatory largely mirrors virtual settings in the sense that, again, engaging the clinical leadership to understand their appetite, their capabilities, what the incentives and what the disincentives are for their workflow, their productivity, uh, and the like. And then uh, look for those opportunities where there are the willing, if you will, to provide the resources and set them up for success. 
Now, this is a very interesting question. It's It's been on the radar for a number of years, Chris, but I think that what has changed, again, is uh, one of the aftershocks, if you will, of the pandemic. So people are more willing, uh, whether they are patients or whether they are consumers, to engage in a virtual setting for all kinds of services, to be sure, and healthcare is no exception. And I think patients uh, have grown to like the convenience and the ability to engage with telehealth. Now, telehealth can take a lot of different forms. And again, we need to be sure that it fits into the workflow uh, and the, the responsibilities of providers. If we can do that operationally, then I think we have a chance to succeed. Again, one size may not fit all. There may be some providers, there certainly will be some patients uh, who will not necessarily want this, but I think there are many more that do. And I think that as we are on the learning curve that hospital leaders are, it behooves them to, again, rely strongly on their clinical leadership. Folks are actually doing this to understand how this works, strengths, weaknesses, how we can improve it, et cetera. Now, I will say, as an individual who practiced a, a surgery, I'm a general surgeon, I practiced for 25 years, that in the latter stages of my career, we, many of us, converted increasingly for our select patients to virtual care, to communicating with folks by text, by email, and the like with our patients, it can be a huge patient satisfier. It can save the patient tremendous amounts of time. And in many areas, I think it can provide care in 50, 60, even 70, 80% of patient interactions, particularly for an established patient whom the doctor knows and has already seen. So it can, it can really help everybody, a win-win for the patient to avoid the commuting to the office, uh, for the physician, potentially in terms of being able to communicate promptly, timely uh, with their patients as opposed to waiting for the next visit. So I think it is absolutely going to be part of the landscape. I think it'll be a significant part of the landscape. As always, the devil's in the details. How do we get there? One size doesn't fit all. I think if we can customize this and, and really learn from the clinicians who are doing it to figure out what works and what doesn't, then I think our hospital leaders are positioning themselves and their providers, of course, and their patients, of course, uh, for success. We are going to take a quick break. Stay with us for more with Jay when we come back. Welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Jay Pristowski, Principal of Vizient. Jay, what should hospital leaders consider in establishing or improving management systems to promote reliability and effectiveness? Chris? As I mentioned earlier, I think this is a terrific and even critical opportunity for hospital leaders to, uh, to consider and to pay attention to. That is, how do we manage? We know what we want to do. We know what programs we want to establish. We may have the personnel to execute those programs. How do we manage them? And I think another word for this is, what is the culture that we want to establish? as to how people work together, how they provide feedback, how they improve care, and the like. And uh, I think the hospital leadership has a critical role. 
first of all, I think that they need to emphasize to folks that this is important. What is the management system that we have? How do we avoid errors? What is the feedback that we provide to each other? Is it a committee that meets once every three months, looks back at some old data, shrugs their shoulders and moves on? Or do we have real-time systems? Do we use visual feedback? Do our middle managers, who I think are, are really a, a key aspect of, of any organization, do they have the data that they need to course correct when things aren't going well or aren't going the way they want it to go before it gets really bad? Do our frontline staff have standards of care that are well-established, standards of work, so they know what they need to be doing, how they should be uh, interacting or caring for patients, how they should be reporting the information and the like? And has the hospital leadership developed with physician leadership what we like to call interlocking accountability, that is the front lines, the middle management, the executive arms of the organization, are all working in alignment, doing their respective roles to manage the system optimally. This is not rocket science, but it is hard work, and it does require some direction. I think all too often in healthcare, we've just sort of taken it for granted. If I'm a physician, I write the order, then my job is done. I've written the order. Is the order actually carried out? Is it carried out the way I want it to be carried out? Is it proving to be effective? If it's not being done properly, how do we know that? Do we know that quickly enough to be able to course correct? All of those questions that I asked after writing the order are what I call a management system to promote, again, reliability that we can count on effective care being delivered. What can a hospital leader do? Be familiar with their management system, ask questions as to how well it works or doesn't work, develop the data, the dashboards, if you will, to uh, be sure that the data and information we need is there, is there in a timely fashion, and then we can proceed. One, one comment here, Chris, that I think is important, and I see this time and time again, and that is hospital leaders set the tone. I don't believe they need to be experts at management, at high reliability, uh, at lean thinking and the like, but I do think they need to pay attention. They need to be familiar enough with these concepts, with these efforts to ask good questions, and they need to put it on the agenda. I find time and time again, when dealing with managers, when dealing with people on the front lines, and they'll say to me, Jay, you know what, my, my boss, my, my hospital president, my CEO, he or she is asking about this. They're interested in that. I need to pay attention. It, it, it just does not, it doesn't, uh, it happens almost by itself sometimes. When people know that the leader is paying attention, is interested, wants to learn more, and wants you to succeed at this, it sets the tone. That, to me, is one of the critical elements in, quote, unquote, changing the culture. If it's just another box that gets checked, we're not going to get there. So I think as we think about how should or what should hospital leaders consider in establishing or improving management systems, uh, one, they need to consider management systems. What does theirs look like? What are its weaknesses? What are its strengths? Who do we need to engage 
to uh, develop and mature our management system so it is serving us well. Not easy to do, but when that corner is turned and a good management system is in place, then you've got a foundation from which I think you can A, provide very high clinical quality care, um, but B, sustain that care over a long period. And I might add parenthetically, sustainability is one of the most common words that, that we hear these days. Uh, okay, we're doing this, we're doing it well, how do we sustain it? How do we sustain it? How do we maintain? And that really comes down to the management system that you have in place, Chris. Uh, are you getting feedback? Do you have the visuals? Do people know what they need to be doing? Are they accountable to each other? That's all the culture, if you will. That's the management system. But there is a rigor and a process by which you can do. It's not just talking about it. There's actually steps that can be taken one after another to advance this mission. So I think leaders play a critical role in establishing this as a priority and helping to improve their own management systems for their workforce. Finally, discuss the importance of a physician-led governance structure and what hospital leaders can do to enable physician leader success. Well, Chris, this is a question that's near and dear to my heart as a, as a physician who practiced for a long period of time. You know, there's, there's no question that it, in, in a hospital, in a healthcare environment, whatever cliche you'd like to use, it, it's a team effort. Uh, it takes a village. It takes a, a lot of folks with very disparate skill sets to come together to care for uh, a patient, uh, let alone a large number of patients. And at the same time, it is my opinion that the physician occupies a key role in that team. The physician obviously can't care for patients by themselves. Everybody has to pull together and work together and everybody has an important role. But the physician oftentimes sets the tone. And, and what I'm talking about here, Chris, is really at a patient care level, whether it's in the operating room, whether it's at the bedside in the hospital, the emergency department, uh, in the office, uh, the physician is the captain of the team in, in, in many respects in terms of setting the direction and setting the tone. Can't play the game by themselves, uh, can never succeed by themselves, but they certainly set an important direction. So to have those individuals to be a, a critical and integral part of the governance structure of a healthcare organization, a hospital, an ambulatory center, whatever the venue might be, I think is really critical. I think it's critical for a couple of reasons. One is they provide the clinical guidelines. They know the patients well, and they can communicate that with what others who with different skill sets will be doing to advance the organization. Let's all remember that at the end of the day, it's about patient care. And so whatever we do as an organization, whatever strategies or operations or management systems, we always need to ground that in our effort to advance the interests of a patient. And in that respect, I think physicians have an important role to, if you will, provide clinical parameters and clinical leadership and clinical direction. Now, what can a hospital leader do to enable that success? This is a uh, actually a very fascinating question and topic. And I witnessed really all kinds of approaches all over the map. 
the biggest mistake I think that is made, and then I'll talk about what can enable success, is to view physicians, and I would also say nurses, as just another commodity, another piece of my labor force. Uh, they have a job to do. If they do it, great. Uh, we can do the rest. And I think that tends to seep into the relationships frequently of many organizations between hospital administration and physicians, and it really sours the atmosphere. It, it becomes an obstacle, quite frankly, to that organization succeeding or succeeding as well as I think they might have otherwise. So I think what a hospital leader can do is engage physicians, uh, engage physician leaders, engage all physicians, those in the front lines, those in the trenches who are taking care of patients day to day. Let them know they are critical. Uh, they have important positions in our governance, but they also have multiple venues to provide feedback and information as to how things are going, what we need to do better, and the like. I know there will be disagreements. Of course, there will, there will be. But I think the, the hospital leader who is engaged in a sincere way, openly, transparently, with physicians, and in particular their physician leadership cadre, is setting themselves up for success. And then, so, so a lot is paying attention. A lot is asking questions. Uh, some of it is identifying those physicians with leadership capability and encouraging them to do so. Uh, remember, medical school is not a place necessarily for leadership training. There is not a lot of, typically, uh, not a lot of business background, strategy, uh, understanding of, of corporate strategy, understanding of operations, management systems, lean thinking, and the like. And I think the hospital leader that can develop a handful or a group of physicians with additional capabilities, supporting them uh, with additional studies to allow them to flex their muscles and go beyond traditional physician care, patient care, to leading, helping to lead the organization collaboratively with the non-clinical leaders has, has really taken a, taken a very wise step. So I think there can be a focus on a handful and help them train to take on the role of physician leaders. But more largely, I think it's really big piece is uh, hospital leadership, engaging sincerely, honestly, openly with the physician cadre, particularly those who might be its leaders uh, to, to, to work together. It's surprising how often that step is not taken. Sounds fairly simple, but it, you really have to start right there before you can go any further. Jay, it has been wonderful talking with you. Thank you for being here and sharing your expertise with us. And thank you listeners for joining us for this Health Leaders Hospital Leadership Podcast. Chris, it's been my pleasure.